Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, hey, hey. But if y'all waiting on me to apologize, hell gonna oh, freeze. Wait. <laughs> happy Friday, happy weekend, everybody. Welcome to the Points in the Paint podcast. Welcome back. Ben Wittenstein. Zach Badger House in the house. An unusual Friday afternoon episode from the Points in the Paint podcast. We usually go early on in the week to try to get everyone a good start to their week. You know, you're waking up on Monday, on Tuesday, a little groggy from the weekend. You got points in the paint to listen to, but now you have a Friday afternoon episode of Points in the Paint. So you're maybe a little bit more happier listening to us. And we're happy too, Zach, because we've got game five. So we figured we might as well do a little bit of a game five preview on the Points in the Paint podcast. And we appreciate everyone listening, of course. Subscribe to the pod whenever you can. Wherever you listen to your podcast, we are there. But Zach, Game 5, Saturday night, series tied 2-2. Two to two. I don't know if anyone expected the series to be tied after the two games that the Suns won at home last week. But here we are, Game 5, tied series. I'm excited. I think this, and I hope this series goes 7. But we'll have to see what happens Saturday night in Phoenix. Bucks in 7. Remember, that's what I said. And it's tied two to two right now. And I'm pretty pleased about that. I'm pretty pleased what the Bucks did at home. Just secure home, you know, home court advantage. You know, well, you know, now they have to try to steal home court advantage in game five. I'm not sure if they'll be able to do that. I'm I'm thinking that the Suns will be able to bounce back, Ben. I really do. I think after those two poor performances we saw from them on the road, I think they'll bounce back at least one more time at home for that game five. This series seems like the type of series where the home team wins. And if that's the case, the Suns are winning the series. But I do think the home team's going to win again in Game 5. And we know how big of an improvement the Bucks are when they're playing at home. And we know how good the Suns are when they're playing at home. And, and those playoff crowds, they really do make a difference to both teams. And the Bucks seem to struggle away from Milwaukee. And I think that in and of itself is a big reason why I, I'm I'm confident in predicting the Suns are going to probably win game five um, unless we see an insane game from Giannis. And then he also has to get an insane production from Chris Middleton. He has to get insane production from Drew Holiday. We know what it takes for the Bucks to win, and that's a full team performance. That's Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez, all of these guys showing up at the same time and hitting shots. Giannis is not going to be able to do it alone. So it really comes down to that. I think it's really as simple as that is, will Giannis get the help in game five that he was able to get at home in game three and four? 
And another thing for Giannis will be the free throws on the road. Will he be able to knock down the free throws as they're counting it down? Oh, yeah. One, two, three, you know, as they're counting out there in the Valley, we're going to see if he's going to be able to go 13 of 17 or something similar to that nature like he did in uh, that game four performance or game three performance. Yeah, it's there was a I think it was a TikTok that I saw where someone at the stadium in Phoenix recorded on their phone time wise. They timed how long Giannis's free throws actually took with what the crowd was doing. And surprise, surprise, the crowd was counting a little too fast. And I think they were <laughs> at like 12 and 13 by the time it was actually 10 seconds for Giannis to shoot. So I think Giannis has got it down where he shoots like around the 12 second mark that the crowd is doing. So I don't know how much the crowd is actually rushing him at this point, because in his head, he's able to time it out where he knows where he should shoot based on what the crowd is saying. So I don't know how much that's going to help. I think the crowd needs to uh, figure out a better way to distract him at this point, because his free throws have seemingly been getting better as the finals have gone on. Like I said, he went 13 of 17, 77 uh, percent from the free throw line when he had that 40 point night. But then, you know, he got it done defensively. That last game, game four, you know, that Ooh, block, yeah. Ben. Oh, Ooh. my goodness. That block yeah. may have been top three blocks of all time oh, in yeah. terms of the NBA finals, you know. And so I just got to give them credit where credit's due. I thought they were going to lose that game, Ben, up until yeah. that possession. Look look at what he did. He's he's helping on Devin Booker. He's helping on Devin. Then he loses his man, finds DeAndre Aiden again. While the ball's in the middle in middle of the air. It's in the air, yeah. man. And he recovers and he gets the block. I was so pleased with Giannis, the way he way, way he handled that defensive possession. I was so happy. And then Chris Middleton getting 40 points while Devin Booker is on the other side cooking. He didn't have any threes on his way to 42 points. No. So just a great performance from both uh both guards in that game four. To see Giannis do that, that block with what we know his injury being with the hyperextended knee like two weeks ago was that not not even like half a month ago almost is where it seemed like he may be out for the entirety of the playoffs for him to have that block with that prior injury with everything on the line with possibly going down three to one in the series it was an enormous block. And I know people on Twitter and everywhere in the basketball universe, they were talking about as good of a block as that LeBron James, the block from 2016 <laughs> that he had on yes. Andre Iguodala. Now, we can debate all day which one was better. And and I think, I think the LeBron one probably is just because of the stakes of game seven. Stakes, yes. But athletically, ah, it's so tough to, to determine which one is better. Giannis had to turn himself basically 180 degrees and turn in the air with the ball – in, in the, the air, air. <laughs> it's so tough. It is tough to say that that is a worse block than LeBron LeBron's chase down block. And what Greek freaks have now had what two key blocks in this series so far? Yeah. I mean, we go all the way back to what game one or game two, where he had the block where it was literally as identical as it can possibly get with the LeBron James on Iguodala block. And I thought it was very interesting too that Iguodala even had something to say positive about the Greek freaks' uh, last block yeah. on DeAndre Ayton, considering he was on the, the the rough end of that LeBron James block a few years ago. Yeah, he was um, it's just impressive to see what Giannis has been doing in this finals, especially with all the flack he was getting throughout the playoffs. 
I'll raise my hand, myself included. I was I was a little <laughs> rough right. on Giannis yeah, to start the right. playoffs. And I think he deserved it a little bit. And I think he deserved some of the flack he got throughout the NBA season. But now you can't criticize the guy. You can't. You can't. The guy has he's been phenomenal on possibly an injured knee still. What he's been able to do for back to back 40 point games, uh, a series saving block, leading his team to two crucial wins at home. He's done everything. He's done absolutely everything from the team. And luckily for him in game three and game four, he's gotten help from Drew Holiday, from Chris, and they've been able to win those games because it, I, at one point, I think it was what, after the two games of the Phoenix won, I came on the podcast and I made fun of you for saying the Bucks in seven because it looked like the Suns <laughs> may even sweep the Milwaukee Bucks after those first two games. So I, I have to hand it to them. They have done such a good job coming back in this series, playing well, not losing focus. And they're a team that knows what has to be done. And I don't want to say it, but credit goes to Budenholzer. You have to give credit to Coach Bud for the for the moves that he's made, for the mid-game decisions that he has made. Uh, I hate saying it, Zach. I really do. But you have to give credit to Coach Budenholzer. I guess if he, I mean he's playing Brooke Lopez fewer minutes, giving him to Bobby Portis, someone who's more lateral, you know, both on the perimeter and being able to you know defend Aiden down low. So yeah, in that regard, sure, you know he doesn't have Brooke Lopez playing that many minutes because he was getting abused on the defensive oh. side of the ball, yeah. you know, the first two games of this series. So with those adjustments, as we saw with game three and then again in game four with him receiving fewer minutes and, and counter, that's really the counter move that he's been able to do with the limitation on the other end for Phoenix with Phoenix, not having someone outside of Deandre Aiden in the front court. Right. So what does Monty Williams do? He, he incorporates, uh, Minutes for Cameron Johnson. He incorporates more minutes for Mikhail Bridges out to be out there at the four alongside with Jay Crowder. And so that puts a team like a uh, Milwaukee Bucks team with Giannis to have to play the five and spread it out with guys like, you know, a Bobby Portis to come in and get minutes. Obviously, Pat Connington as well and other guys along the bench for that team. Jeff Teague's now getting more minutes. He's may have getting a little too much minutes, Ben, if you ask many. me. A little too a little many. Too many, but... You know, you got to spread them out somewhere just to counteract with what uh, the Phoenix Suns have been doing. Yeah, when we talked about this, we know how balanced that Phoenix Suns team and they are, they are zen, they are balanced, they are everything is right in in the Phoenix Suns universe. They've got counter counteracts for anything that you could throw at them. They've got the players and the personnel other than Frank Kaminsky, who Zach he didn't see any time in no game time. or no, no time. time. <laughs> and I think that was the right move by the Phoenix Suns to. Put him, put him away for, for the rest of the finals. They don't need Frank Kaminsky in that game. Uh, they don't need him in this series. It's, he's, he's not a good defender. He's not going to bring anything offensively. He looks scared to shoot the ball. You keep Frank Kaminsky on the bench, and you hope DeAndre Ayton doesn't get into too much foul trouble. But I, I think we'll see the roles switch in game five, and I, and I think we'll see the Suns come out with a lot of energy. We'll see the crowd behind him. We will see DeAndre Ayton play better. He has to score more if they have if they want to win. And Chris Paul, man. He struggled. He really played poorly. In probably his worst he had a, game. He had a, worst play. Probably his yeah. Probably his worst game. Um, and it comes in the game that I bet on him to get a double double. So that <laughs> that makes sense. Is is the one game I bet on him, and he plays the worst game of the finals that he's had. But he needs to not turn the ball over as much. I don't know if he's still hurt, or I don't know what the issue is, but he just he did not look 100% in game he four. He was doing yeah. the same stuff. He couldn't handle the ball. He was making dumb passes. I I don't know. It, something just seemed off with him. 
it was this is what I'll say. And I've seen a lot of people saying something similar to this, too. If your shot's not falling, being that you're, quote, unquote, the point guard, if you're, quote, unquote, the point guard, there's no excuse why you shouldn't have 10-plus assists. If you can't get anything else offensively going, there's no excuse why you shouldn't have 10-plus assists. And so you go and you look at the box score and you say, well, who didn't really get it going offensively in the starting lineup for the Phoenix Suns? You can say Mikael Bridges, okay, sure. But DeAndre Aiden having six points and you're the point guard, uh, Chris Paul, there's no excuse for that. There's no excuse. There's no reason why DeAndre Aiden should have 10-plus points because you can't find him the ball. So if your offense isn't going, if you're Chris Chris Paul, mid-range shot. And he missed a lot of bunnies too, Ben. That's another thing too. Like he, would, he was being aggressive throughout the game because Devin Booker was in foul trouble at moments. But some of the shots Chris Paul missed, he usually would make. So it wasn't as if like he was struggling in terms of he just couldn't get it going in, in terms of just like not having the shot because of the defense. But I just felt like he had a floater where he, if he it came up short, it was a good yeah. shot, a few mid ranges that he came up short, but they were good looks. But like I said, if you're the point guard, pass first guy, there's no reason why DeAndre Aiden should have six points. No, absolutely not. There was a point. I think it was game four campaign was bringing the ball up multiple times. He was <laughs> their main ball handler. And you know, and everyone knows who listens to this podcast knows how I feel about Cameron Payne. And <laughs> the fact that he is your main ball handler in an NBA Finals game, that's worrisome. When Chris Paul is on the court, Chris Paul went to the corner of the of the court. He was standing in the three-corner sh- uh, spot. Why are you putting him there? Let him bring up the ball. I know he's struggling, but... He's if he's playing worse than campaign and you feel more comfortable with Cameron Payne facilitating the offense. I'm I'm worried for how they felt Chris Paul was playing at that point, because that is that's waving the white flag there. I know exactly what you're talking about, too. But I'll give Cameron Payne this credit. Like he had those like two possessions where he brought the ball up. He got a three at, at a point on the right side of the court because I remember talking about this with some friends. He got a three-point shot, and I'm left-handed, so I know how he's going to get his buckets, right? He's going to be yeah. – he's a lefty, so he's going to be on the right side of the court, ready to drive and attack left, be aggressive going left down the middle. So he got an and one layup that way. I saw that. I was okay. I was pleased. Then he got a three-point shot. But after that, it's like, all right, let's resurface and get Chris Paul (laughs) the basketball again. Let's let's get him involved here. (laughs) No, they didn't. So I don't know what they do for game five. I I hope they give Chris Paul more responsibility. And he's too good to not have a good game at this point, to not have his bounce back game. I think Mm -hmm. we have the Chris Paul bounce back game. Um, The CPBG Chris Paul bounce back game going on in game five. (laughs) I don't think he scores only 10 points. I mean, it was a struggle for him to get the double digits. And that was worrisome. I think that was a big reason why they lost and why they gave up the lead. Not only was his turnovers and his poor passing, but he just wasn't scoring well, as he said. He had some really bad floaters. So he needs to play better. Booker had his bounce back game. He did. And he played really well. And he it was kind of that flip situation that Giannis found himself in from game one and two is what Devin Booker found himself in, where he just was getting no help. He was the one scoring. He was the one doing everything offensively. And his team was just kind of standing there watching him and not contributing points wise. Yeah, I mean the next only what Cameron Johnson had ten points towards the end, and Jay Crowder, you know, he tried to do what he could on the defensive side. Hey, I got to give a lot of credit to Jay Crowder. 
he was doing everything he possibly could in yeah. that game. He ended up with only 15 points. But the dude had like three steals, three blocks. He was very involved, very handsy defensively. He was he definitely was. active on the defensive side of the ball. He got a lot of steals at key moments of the game that led to more opportunities for Phoenix to try to come back and win that ball game for game four. And we know how important he was for the Suns last season on their finals run. So he's he knows what it takes to to play in the finals. He knows what it takes to play at this level. So he's I think he's going to be a crucial player in the next couple of games for the Suns because he just camps out at the three-point line. He can give him that three-point spark um, from the perimeter. He can give him that defensive spark. So he's the going to be important for them. Too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just a little bit too much in that game four. <laughs> he's going for the Oscars, Zach. You have to respect that the man is going for the Academy Award. He's flopping everywhere left and right. He wants to get those fouls called, and the officials are calling the fouls. And we talked about this on not the Plug the Sharp Lessons podcast, but Plugging the Sharp Lessons podcast, if you want to listen how. <laughs> How we're betting game five, you can listen to that one. But the the officials are calling fouls. They are calling a lot of fouls. And we saw DeAndre Ayton go into foul trouble. We saw Devin Booker get into foul trouble in the last yes. game, in two games ago. Or the, excuse me, last game, game four. He probably should have fouled out, and they didn't call that foul, surprisingly. <laughs> um, but the officials have been blowing the whistle. They have been pretty liberal about it. So we're going to have to see in game five if they continue that streak of, of blowing whistles on maybe fouls that shouldn't happen or blowing whistles on some, some good acting like a Jay Crowder foul. And we'll have to see if maybe someone on the box this time gets into foul trouble because on the road, it's been DeAndre Ayton. It's been Devin Booker getting the fouls called on them. So maybe going back to Phoenix, we'll see some bucks possibly um, get into foul trouble. If these officials continue to be the ones that just love blowing the whistle betting corner. Let's do let's do another little early betting corner, Zach. Try to try to yes. give people some for game five. Um, the line as of right now, as we record, is Suns minus three and a half. Now that oh, went so down pushed, half a yeah. point from this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, the places that I'm seeing it, it, it's pretty dropping significantly. It seems like people are favoring the Bucks, the Bucks. a little bit. Mm-hmm. So right now it is minus three and a half for the Suns. And I know on Sharp Lessons, you said you would still take the Suns at minus three and a half, even if the money looked like it was going towards Milwaukee. Yes, I stand on that because uh, I knew was, I knew that Milwaukee fans, you know, people who are rooting for Milwaukee were going to try to at least push the line. But I will say this. If it continues to be that momentum swing and it gets to plus three. Listen, I may yeah. have to Phoenix, you know, have to stay right there, minus three and just keep it. Yeah, to keep the bet right there, you know. And I wouldn't go no further than that. Minus yeah, three some places, after that, yeah, it's, you know, a little safer. Some places do have the Suns minus four, um, but okay. some, some places have minus three and a half. DraftKings is minus three and a half right now okay. as, as we're recording this on Friday morning, Friday afternoon now. Um, so we'll see how much it fluctuates until Saturday. But if that line keeps dropping in favor of the Bucks. I'm more confident on hitting the Suns, to be honest. Yeah, that's what and I'm like, saying. I mean, if, I, it, if it keeps going like that, if it's going to be plus like plus sun. three, I would yeah. definitely favor <laughs> the Phoenix Keep going Suns. Suns. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't see why not. I don't see the home team at least this early. Maybe game seven, that'll change the, the strategy up, and hopefully we have a game seven. But I think home teams continue to win the next two games. I think the Suns probably win this game. Goes back to Milwaukee for game six. Milwaukee wins that, forces a game seven. And then who knows game seven back in Phoenix? We will get there if we get there. Yeah. But I do think this is a home team winning 
games in this series. And I think the Suns go back home after losing two in a row. They're one of the best teams in the NBA after losing games. Losing, so I was a little yes. shocked that they lost game five or game four, I should say. So I think game five after losing two in a row, I'm leaning Suns and I probably will bet the Suns. And I'm glad the line has continues to move down in favor of the Bucks because you're just going to get the Suns at a better number. If you can get the Suns minus three, one possession game for the Suns winning this game, I really like that. I really do. Maybe even hit that money line a little bit if it goes under 150. The two guys who will play better in game five for the Phoenix Suns in terms of player props and the starting lineup, double-double Chris Paul, double-double DeAndre Ayton. I believe it, Ben. I believe both of those guys get a double-double in that game because I think Monty Williams is going to be in Chris Paul's ear in regards to if you're all like, – like I said before, if like if you can't get your offense going, make sure our big man is feeling confident on the offensive side of the ball. To get him some touches, make sure he's active because only nine field goal attempts for DeAndre Ayton as a big man out there – and he wasn't really in too much of a foul trouble either. He only had two personal fouls. Granted, remember game three, he was the guy in foul trouble. And then like game four, he wasn't. It's not have many as many opportunities offensively as we were accustomed to before. You know, that's kind yeah. of problematic. Yeah, I, I I think that once we get down to everything going, and I think the totals at 218. I think we see that low scoring game, but I do like the DeAndre Ayton double double, but the it's very juiced, very juiced. And Chris <laughs> Paul has to get his double double at some point. So it would make sense in a crucial game five at home after playing poorly. The spot is really good. I think to hit Chris Paul really Me too. Good. Me too. So I do. And, and you can get it at a plus 145. You, you can get it at really good value. And it's not even, you're not even putting more money up than you're going to win. So I, I think with the value that you get, I may continue hitting Chris Paul double double. If he burns me one more time, then I'm, gonna, I'm not even going to vote for him for MVP at that point. I'm, I'm going to be completely out on Chris Paul. He's going to burn me twice in a row. The guy has to have a good And because that's the thing, too, if you're going to bet Chris Paul to get a double double, you're going to bet you should bet the Suns win the game, too, because I don't think he does. I don't think he gets a double double and the Suns they lose. lose. Yeah, exactly. That would that would be a little fishy to me. I, I don't know if that's that's what's going to happen. So as of right now, Zach, I'm on the Suns spread. If people see the line going a bit low in Milwaukee's favor and start betting the Suns back up, I don't think I hit them more than minus four. Um, maybe maybe minus four and a half, but that's about as high as I would go. Yeah. So if it's around that minus four number, I think that's what I would would hit it at. For the total, you like the over? I do. I don't think I'm going to touch it. It's at 218. We saw it go under in the last game. We saw it push in game three. I think 218 is a pretty solid number, and... I probably won't go over under on it, but you like the over. I like the over only because of what I expect offensively from the other side, being the home team in Phoenix. You know, I expect them to come out and be better offensively, especially their role players to knock down threes. And then I think the game will be high scoring throughout the first half because of the energy that they're going to have from that Valley crowd. You know, they're going to come out and probably score around 55, 60 points in the first half and probably have around 28 to 30 points in the first quarter. You know, I really think they're going to come out and really provide a, a good spark offensively. And then I think that throughout the game, the Milwaukee Bucks will go on a run, play catch up. But I think, yeah, it'll be, I think it'll hit the over, you know, 218. I think that's kind of low. And I think the more people hit the under, it may get even it may get even lower to maybe 217 and a half 217 it gets to somewhere like that i really would hit the over i like it 
Like that prediction. All right, what's NBA Twitter talking about? We'll what do it do, baby? Yeah. We'll do that quickly before we end this episode, this uh, preview Friday episode. Hopefully everyone's having a good Friday. You know, that's the best way to end the Friday. Listen to the Points of the Paint podcast. Of course. <laughs> Give us a follow on Twitter, and then you'll you'll have a great day going. Um, some stuff on, on NBA Twitter. We'll start with the trade rumor. Rumor yeah. being thrown out, Damian Lillard. The rumor is Damian Lillard may possibly ask for a trade. Not that he has asked for a trade. <laughs> it's that it's possibly coming in the next couple of days that Damian Lillard is going to maybe ask for a trade. So that obviously exploded all over Twitter. People are talking about Dame maybe asking for a trade. Nurkic has been tweeting at people talking about the trade, saying it's not going to happen. It's not. Um, it's BS is essentially what Nurkic is saying. So he's coming on Twitter defending Dame, As saying he he's not going to suggest a trade. <laughs> but people are saying Dame might do it. They're saying the Knicks are an interest to Damian Lillard, where of course they have because people love to come – Love, love saying free agents that want to go to New York. Who everybody want everybody wants someone to end up in New York, right? First yeah. you hear about Kyle, you hear about Colin Sexton, how the Knicks may pursue him. And then I hear Ben Simmons. <laughs> and then I'm like, whoa, Ben Simmons in the Nick uniform? That's that's something they will not. He thought Philly fan base was bad. <laughs> he does not want to be in New York. So yeah, and then now you got Damian Lillard. So I think they just need to find a guard or something for the draft if you're the Knicks. And then Damian Lillard, like I think he's just loyal at the end of the day, number one. Number two, and more importantly, Ben, the dude is going to make like $200 million. Yep. You got to match the money. When people start talking about trades as it relates to these you know, top 10 players in the NBA, Money talks and everything else, you know, walks. So it's like yeah. if you don't have the money to match these guys, then it's not going to work. People always say, well, who you think should go here? Or who you think this team should go for? It's like, should they go after this guy? Should they go after him? You can't go after Bradley Beal if you're the Lakers without like you got to get rid of a lot. Or if you're the Damian Lillard trying to go over there, you got to get rid of a lot. Like, and then you're going to have three box office guys making so much money. and You have to fill the roster, fill out a potential championship team roster. It's just so complicated when it comes to superstar players and their max deal being looking to get traded or even considering to be considering getting traded, you know? Yeah, it, it, there's going to be a lot of money that has to be worked through if they do want to trade Damian Lillard. And, I don't know if they will trade him, even if he suggests a trade. I, I don't know if if he demands one, if the Trailblazers are going to say, OK, we'll we'll trade you if that's what you want. But there are a lot of steps that come from him demanding a trade. Right. The Trailblazers saying, OK, we will trade you. Then the Trailblazers finding someone they can trade him for and a team to trade him to that's willing to take him on and give up the enough assets for him. You know, there's a lot of steps that have to go in between that. So, you know, if we're if we're talking about Dame being on a different team next season, I don't know if I would be betting on that. But it's certainly possible if, you know, someone like the 76ers are, are wanting to get rid of Ben Simmons and they get rid of Ben Simmons for Damian Lillard. If, the, if it matches up, maybe add a couple more players here and there. I don't know the numbers behind it yet, but that might be an option. Um, I just don't know if him demanding a trade is going to actualize into him being traded this offseason and i don't even think he would even want to be traded it's like where, where are you gonna go right like if you're damian litter where is you have he to go to a good go? situation right right like where are you gonna go to really be a competitor in terms of competing for a championship we know what the brooklyn nets are gonna look like next year at full strength like even even okay i even say this 
we don't know what's going to happen with Spencer Dinwiddie, right? Not to even, like, you know, get thrown off from the Damian Lillard situation, but a lot of different players are free agents. So we don't know who can end up where, let's say, hypothetically, Kawhi Leonard decides, all right, let's do it, Dame. Why not? I don't know. I already tried with – I tried with PG-13. Maybe yeah. I could try one with Damian Lillard. Like, they need a wing, and have, that's the best wing that you're going to get in the market right now. That isn't LeBron James or Kevin Durant. So – it just depends. It just all depends. You know, we got free agency, so we, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll, we'll yeah, see we got a long off season. We have a long off season coming our way, so we're very, uh, we're excited for that because we're going to see the draft. We're going to see some guys change teams. Lots coming this off season, so that should mm-hmm. be a lot of fun. Finally, Shams reported this today. Javale McGee is joining the Team USA 12-man team, which. <laughs> That says a lot about where the team is. Is that right now? <laughs> the people that they need and everything like that. Uh, Bradley Beal is not playing because of yep. health and safety protocols. Kevin Love is leaving the team because he had some prior injuries that I think he just wants to help mend. So I think at one point the team had six or seven available players to them, which is tough because you have a couple guys. You have Jeremy Grant and health and protocol uh, and health and protocols. And so. They needed some more players, and who do they turn to, Zach? Number one, JaVale McGee. You, you remember earlier guy. on Sharp Lessons when we talked about it, I said that maybe they can get Miles Turner. You know, I was, <laughs> I was yeah. just trying to name some guys. I know they need some people yeah. in the front court. Like, maybe you can call a Miles Turner or somebody, but I've never thought they would go out and get the seventh, eighth man in rotation, JaVale McGee, 33-plus no. years of age. I didn't expect that at all. I'm a little worried. I'm I'm worried they're going to start losing more games. And and nothing against JaVale McGee, but if we're talking about the best of the best coming from the US of A, I don't I don't know if I'm putting JaVale McGee on that list of the 12 best basketball players coming from the country at this point. Jimmy Butler's over there, right? If I'm not mistaken. If he's not, he should be. Is he I over think there? He's rehabbing from an injury? Cuz I was going to say they maybe they need they need some they need some rough riders. I had a buddy. I had a buddy send me a a starting lineup that he would have if he was mm-hmm. Team USA. I gotta share it with you, Ben, because it was hilarious. He's he told me he would have Jimmy Butler, Marcus Smart, Jay Crowder, Montrez Harrell, and Demarcus Cousins for his starting lineup. So the Why? I told him Demarcus Cousins has no lateral movement. What Does he just want this team to start fights? Is that is that what he <laughs> That's just wants to see them fight international teams? That's basically what he wants. He just wants some rough riders to go out there and just be ultra aggressive because, I mean, that's basically what, you know, international basketball is. It's more rugged for sure. It's more aggressive. You know, they, you know, you can definitely do a little more defensively in international play versus in the NBA. And, but off the bench, he said he'd have Damian Lillard. So he got some offense a little bit. Klay Thompson, Kawhi Leonard, if it's not for his knee, James, this is, this is what got me. James Johnson. Bobby Portis and Zion all come okay. So he, I, I think he just wants to start an international incident. Is is what he's going for. He wants, he wants some some war to go to to happen from these basketball games. Is what it sounds like. Well, at least you know defensively they're not going to be trying to give up any points. No. Foul. He's definitely trying to bring some '90s basketball back. <laughs> oh yeah, you're gonna be worried about getting punched at that point if you're the opposing team. You're you're worried you're worried about like losing some teeth. You're gonna you're gonna end the basketball game with a couple fewer teeth than when you started. So, if that's it, buddy, that's it. That'll do it. 
That'll conclude this edition of Points in the Pain podcast presented by Stadium. We want to thank you all for listening and make sure you subscribe to the Points in the Pain podcast. Follow us at Points Paint on both Facebook and on Twitter for all the ways to make you a couple dollars and catch the last episode of Sharp Lessons with a guest such as myself. Appreciate the fellas for having me on Sharp Lessons. I shared my little betting strategy that I do every once in a while. So you want to hear that and take a listen to Sharp Lessons, please do so. Follow Shams for all your NBA news around the association. Follow Stadium just because, you know, you got to keep updated with everything going around the sports world. And you will hear from Points Paint next week.